Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Saints in Society. I am your host, Brad Leibel, and I'm with Rick Reeves here today. And today's episode is titled, Stop Being Weird, which might sound weird. But the whole idea is that as Christians, we have freedom in Christ to be ourselves, to confess, to take off the the coverings that we hide in. And because of the gospel, because of God's grace, uh, we don't have to be weird. We don't have to put up a front. We don't have to put on a mask or a face. We can be ourselves and confess our sin to one another in community. So glad you're with us today. Uh, Let's get into it. You are listening to Saints in Society, a podcast focusing on equipping saints to live in and engage with their society. As we dive into the word and with help from experts in their field, we seek to learn how to engage culture in its terms, but not on them. We believe the gospel speaks to all of life and provides the answers we are all looking for. So we aim to equip saints with the tools necessary to apply the gospel to all areas of life, living as saints in society. We've had this question before, if you had to choose in a fight with your bare hands, silverback gorilla, lion, or grizzly bear, which one would you choose? Mm, my bare hands. I feel like a lion. What's a guy like you? Like, I don't know what you are, 5'8", 135 pounds? Soaking wet. <laughs> You're giving me a, a couple 15 pounds there. Um, yeah. Um, that's why I feel like size-wise, I guess I'd help bigger lions. 500 pounds. Why do you know that? Immediately, 500 pounds. <laughs> Just... <laughs> you've, looked, you've, you've done your research. Yeah. You, you're, you're, you should visit my website, Wikipedia. <laughs> your, your decision to fight a silverback gorilla is based off of extensive scientific research. research yeah. Yes, okay. scientific research. Okay. I did the research and came to the conclusion that I could take one. Yeah. I think I'm going to go grizzly bear because I think it would kill me the fastest. I think a gorilla and a lion would both play with me like as their food, like play with their food. I think a grizzly bear, one swipe and it's over. Okay. But. All right. So you just don't want to be coddled by a silverback? Not really. No. Okay. All right. I prefer to, um, yeah, go out. What's the movie that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio gets? Um, oh. The Revenant? Yes. Mm. His chances weren't very good. Yeah. But he lived. That's true. You can always just hope that you go on the battle behind me and it's against a silverback because <laughs> I'm going to tear that thing apart. And then once, once it gets tired tearing you apart, <laughs> I have a little bit more of a chance. <laughs> hey, can I t- uh, share a few stories in light of today's podcast? Absolutely. Okay. So I know that some of these are going to be familiar to you, but I'm going to change the language up a little bit and try to keep them like, you know. Uh, keep a little mystery in there. Okay. okay. Right. So three stories. The first story is there's this man, right? And this man has essentially everything. He's very wealthy. He's at a, he's at the highest position that he can be in, in his country. There's no doubt about it. He's gone through some difficult stuff in his life, through some bumps, through some bruises. Um, he's endured some hardship for sure. But now he's sitting at a spot where he's just He's, he's, he's doing pretty good. Then you would think this man having so much would be content, but he's not because there's something out there that he doesn't have that he wants. And it's an, and it's his, it's, it's one of his friend's wives, wife. And so he summons her 
He uses and abuses his power and his wealth to summon her. And then he ends up having sex with her and then impregnating her. Okay. Then he realizes just how awful his actions have been and what he's done. So he does something even more egregious. I, I, I don't know that I should say even more egregious. He does something else egregious. And then this is what he does. He then orchestrates this whole plan to basically have his friend who works for him killed. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my first story. Okay. Okay. My second story, there's this man and he's leaving his, his, his town, his house, everything he knows, and he's moving to another town, right? Moving to another village, moving to another place. He's taking his family with him. He's married to a very beautiful wife. In some sense, he knows he married up and he's probably out of his league, right? So he's gone to this new town. And since it's a new town and a new culture and he's not familiar with everything there, he is at least familiar with one thing there, that they are going to see his wife, want his wife, and probably try and kill him to take his wife. So he comes up with this great plan, right? Great by his own standard, because what he's able to do is he's able to preserve his life by saying that his wife is his sister. And so he's not thinking about the implications this has on her or anything like that. He's just thinking, this will make my life easier if you just do this. And so surely enough, they go through with it and she ends up starting to become, you know, the wife of the man who's like the leader of this country, okay? Next story, there's this very prominent figure in the Christian faith, okay? So almost imagine with me, if you would like, though I can't stand this, like a celebrity pastor or something like that being okay. out, okay? Mm -hmm. And 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 he's out on the town and and maybe you overhear his conversation. And he's and this young girl comes to him. Let's just say like she's like eight or ten years old. And and she comes up to him and, and he's around some some other people. So you know he's a little intimidated. And she's like, hey, aren't you a Jesus follower? Like aren't you a pastor? And he's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm, I'm definitely not. <clears throat> and so she presses on him and, and asks him a couple more times. And he just continues to say, no, I'm, I'm not. Okay. Third story. That's it. Yep. All of these stories are in our Bible. Hmm. I've just put a little spit on them. The first one is David, who's known after, who, who's known as a man after God's own heart. The second one is Abraham. The third one, uh, who, who is known and is called a friend of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. The third one is Peter, who is known as Peter Petra, the rock. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing this because we're talking about today about what it looks like to stop being weird. And, and I've shared with you, if I was ever going to write a book, it would be on this topic and, a, and on this subject. And I share these stories to say there are countless other stories like this in our Bible. Like our Bibles are so transparent. They're so raw. They're so authentic. They're all of that. And I think the appeal that we have to our Bibles, the excitement to, to read them is that you open them and go, man, this is real. Like this is real life, real stuff. And so you have these stories. But then you get to the Christian faith, and this has been my experience, and I'm not going to say my experience was true for you, Brad, or for everyone else, but my experience was this, is that I knew that I was a pagan. I knew that I was secular. I knew that I desperately needed the grace of God to save me. And so I understood that that's what the gospel was, and that's what it does, is it saves really broken people. I love the one person's quote that says, Christianity isn't for the little engines that could, it's for the train wrecks that can't. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the message. If you want to become a Christian in a sense, you need to recognize that you're poor, broken and helpless to save yourself. 
Got it. Jesus does that. Now, I come from this secular worldview, secular friendships into the Christian arena to where this whole group of people has this one same common theme that we all have this great need and we share this in common. Like, like we have the greatest thing about us is that we've all been saved by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. But then this is what I noticed. Why does it seem like this circle of Christian friends and, and of Christians seems so weird? And this has been my experience. And, and I almost felt like there was almost more freedom in the secular community to like talk about brokenness. And so I had a really hard time early on in my faith and, and even walking through my faith with what I saw as like just weirdness from inside of the Christian community and Christian circles. Yeah. And you would say that that weirdness is people not being open, honest, uh, not having a freedom to talk about what's actually going on in their life. Yes. And then your secular friends, they were open about everything. And so they were actually more free to be themselves than the people who had the one thing in common. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, it angered me. And I was like, man, this just, there's no other way to put it other than like, I felt like it was making me weird because I was thinking, this is so weird. Like, why are people being so weird? Like, don't we understand that we were once all sinners broken and now we've all been made saints, which saints means that you've, you're made holy and set apart. Every second of every day, God looks at you and me and he looks at all those who have placed their trust and faith in Jesus. And he sees someone who is holy, pure, perfect, and set apart. Until God chooses to see it. So we're not identified anymore as sinners. We're identified as saints, holy ones. Now we still struggle with sin. We still struggle with brokenness. But I was even reading like the reformers and Martin Luther and some of these guys, they just seem like they had more of a willingness to just be transparent, to just be honest and say, this is where I'm broken. This is where I'm hurting. This is where there's sin in my life. But instead, it seems like my experience has been, which has been such a turn. It was such a turn off for me. And it still is when I see people doing this, it's like a facade or just image protecting that they're not able just to be real about what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just unattractive mm -hmm. and it's a turnoff. And I think the, I think the local church would flourish more if people truly believed and rested in the security and the clothing and the righteousness that they had in Christ and, and went out to, to, you don't have to go shout from the mountaintops, like, guess what I just did, you know, <laughs> but we also don't have to be weird and, and act like we're, I don't know, supposed to be like this, I don't know, this straight laced, very square person over here that looks this way or something like that. And I was, again, my experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just unattractive, it's also unhealthy. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like, it's one thing to look at a Christian who is not um, not being open and real about what's going on in their life and be like, man, that, there's, there's a disconnect here. But then even like putting yourself in the shoes of that person, and I've been that person, that Christian. So my, my story, I didn't go from pagan secular to in the faith. I grew up in the faith. And so I was like the, I need to be straight lace. And then there's mm -hmm. all kinds of just garbage going on inside that I wouldn't tell anyone about because I had to put on this image, which ends up being incredibly unhealthy. Um, we've talked about this before you've preached on it, but James five, when he's talking about confession, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you might be healed. Like there's actual healing that comes from 
being honest and being real and being open. And so I think the, the, the lack of the, the weirdness that we see in Christianity is not just unattractive to the world, but it's unhealthy for the church. Yeah. Yeah. Especially to the point you're making that it's scripture connects stuff to our physical health, you know? So there's this spiritual component and there's also this physical component and those worlds are connected. Mm -hmm. And so the person that is bottling up stuff that is shoving stuff down that is acting like stuff's not there acting like we don't have insecurities when we have lots of insecurities acting like sin is not there when it's there those things are actually things that start to affect our health keeping secrets can affect our health like like there's been you know research that's been done to show hiding things and keeping secrets affects our stress it affects our sleep like like it just affects our mm -hmm. whole beings and so don't we have freedom as Christians to come out and confess where we're broken, where we're hurting, where we're insecure. I'm like, man, if you don't have something that you can even daily confess, I'm more alarmed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like, like if you, I mean, there's layers upon layers there. And, and, and so just the freedom I think that is felt when, when people come from darkness and bring stuff into light, because what the enemy is wanting you to do is say like, stuff it all down, hide it all. Mm -hmm. If it's out in light, people are going to reject you. They're going to abandon you. And then the downside of all that is I've seen this time and time again, destroyed families, destroyed relationships, because years and years and years of hidden sin, of bitterness, of resentment, of, of, of anger, of hurt. Yeah. And, and just hiding things. All of that comes out and it has massive implications. Yeah, that's, uh, you just touched on the other thing I was thinking of with this. It's unattractive, unhealthy, and I'm trying to think of another unword like a good pastor would, maybe unhelpful for relationships. Like mm -hmm. um, there's the there's outside looking in, you're weird, not attracted to that. There's like the inside, like I feel like there's issues in my heart, but then there's also the interpersonal issues that come up with being weird and protecting and hiding where you, I don't think it's possible. Maybe this is too strong to say. I think it's really difficult, maybe even impossible to have an actual deep relational connection with someone if you cannot be yourself. Um, totally. Yeah. Even if, if you think of like the closest human relationship we have in marriage, the whole idea is that you are exposed and intimate and, and there's, there's nothing to hide in that relationship in like a physical sense. But then there's the emotional, spiritual side of that as well, where we keep hiding and then there, we prevent ourselves from having any kind of real connection or yeah. relationship with anyone. Yeah. And I have literally heard pastors tell me that they don't confess sin to their wives mm -hmm. because they don't think that it would be helpful to their wives or that it would crush their wives. I want to say this just clearly, directly. I think the pastors that say that, that is absolute trash and garbage to make <laughs> statements like that. Okay, so, yeah. and the reason why is I think what they're oftentimes not wanting to say is it's actually my self persona. It's actually my self image that can't handle confessing stuff like that. I like the way that my wife views me or sees me, though it might not be real, though it's deceitful. It makes me feel good. So me sharing that with my wife, sure, there's going to have, it's, it's going to have an impact on her, but what it's going to do is it's also going to tear down my self image that I built up and created. And I think that if, if people are getting real, so this morning, uh, Brad, I've shared with you that, that I confess in with my wife that happened mm -hmm. yesterday, uh, initially doing that. Like I, I confess a surface level of sin with her. And then I walked away and I was like, no, nah. like relationally, 
like you're saying, it's going to have an impact when I'm not being honest with my wife. And so I went back in the room. I was like, hey, there's more layers to what I told you. Here's what actually happened. Here's what I'm more embarrassed about. And here's why I'm even more embarrassed about what I'm embarrassed about. Mm -hmm. And so like I was able to go and tell that. But the, the truth was, is in that moment, I was like, well, my wife's having a hard morning. She's dealing with the kids. She can't handle this. But then I went in the other room. I'm like, no, what? The only thing that can't handle this right now, because my wife is mature and she can handle it, and I'm able to gospel her and remind her of her identity in Christ, I mean, she's able to do the same. The only thing that couldn't handle it was my pride mm. and my self-image and my ego and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And so that's what I was doing. I was masking and protecting myself instead of just going to my wife and 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 having I don't know, just a relationship that has that kind of depth. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is always going to be the case for everyone's spouse, but but it ended well. And we talked through that and, and, and she hugged me and, you know, she often reminds me of my gospel identity. And, and so it goes well, but I think in order for it to even go well, like, like we have to be able to practice even doing that with our spouse, yeah. you know? And so you've said before, um, it's something we talk about in our small groups at GCC that when you confess sin, you're actually allowing someone to love you in a way that they otherwise couldn't that if if jesus loves us despite our sin he loves us even like like that the the our very sin is what qualifies us to be loved by god because we we need mm -hmm. his love and then if we don't then share sin with people in our life who are who have a desire to love us we're not allowing them to love us in the way that christ would because we're not being honest with them yeah we're allowing them to love a false version of mm. ourselves. Yeah. Which, and, which will eventually cause issues run out. Like, yeah, it, that, that causes all kinds of relational problems. But. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, you're sitting with and talking to someone who is medicated and tech takes medication for anxiety and depression. But I also think that stuffing sin, hiding sin and concealing sin leads to anxiety and depression. You know, mm -hmm. oh, and, yeah. and so sometimes I think not knowing how to live with ourselves, with our real selves and what's going on underneath the surface, we look for stuff, whether it's alcohol, any form of medic medication to medicate our unsettledness. Mm -hmm. It's really what the world does. It's Adam and Eve in the garden realized that they sinned against God. And so they did the first religious act in the Bible. They found something external they could go and get their hands on to try to deal with an internal problem. They found fig leaves and they're like, it, maybe if we do this, this will fix the shame and the guilt and everything that we feel on the inside. But it didn't, you know? Mm. And, and so man has continued to try that. What can I do to deal with my insecurities? What can I do? to deal with what's going on the inside with my sin. How can I cover this up? I can do it through a facade. I can do it through beauty. I can do it through intellect. There's many ways that I can try to deal with what's going on on the inside, but it's fig leaves. Mm -hmm. It's not actually trusting in and resting in what you have in Christ. So I'll read this, Isaiah 61 10. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Hmm. We also see this 
and revelation as well is that we're all wearing these robes. Like every Christian has the same outfit. We don't have to go get our hands on outfits in life, fig leaves, anything, success, beauty, whatever it is to try to deal with what's on the inside. Christ actually comes in and he provides the clothing that we actually need. He gives us his own righteousness, which I know we have an external picture here of a robe, but what it's actually doing is something internal as well. He's supplying his purity, his cleansing, and his righteousness to the depths of our souls. Hmm. And so we have this picture of this is who we've been made to look and appear and be seen by God. We have the greatest clothing and we can't make our clothing dirty because it's the clothing of his life that he lived Hmm. out 2000 years ago. So those are the robes that we wear, his righteousness from his life. Those clothes, when we believe them, and the security they provide allow us to go into relationship, into community, and into deeper relationships and actually be known. We can we can start to shed the layers of fig leaves that we have on that aren't bringing any freedom or joy to our souls and actually start to say, here's what's going on in my soul. And then, and only then, will you actually start to appreciate the clothing that Christ has provided when you start to take off some of the fig leaves that you've worn for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't appreciate you appreciate food more when you're starving. <laughs> so yeah. you appreciate a, a a garment of clothing more when you are naked and exposed. Um, and so we won't appreciate the clothing Christ has provided us in His righteousness unless we or until we become naked and exposed yeah. uh, to one another. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's easy to do. But I actually believe that's where true growth and true freedom happens. It's not going to feel like freedom because you've bought into, and I'm not saying you, hey, Brad, you, (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying myself and all the listeners have bought into a lie that, that this false self, this persona, this self image that we use to protect ourselves is actually what's giving us freedom. And it's the very thing that's robbing us from the true freedom that actually Christ and his righteousness, his purity, his perfection gives. And when we start to say this is what's actually wrong with me. This is what's broken. In the context of community, we actually start to grow in this awe and love of just the amazingness of what it is to have a greater clothing and greater garments than the ones that we've thought for so long were the thing that is like protecting us and go, nah, I have something better, way better. I have these garments that can't be removed. And these are the things that actually satisfy the depths of my soul. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, uh, every episode on Saints in Society, we try to highlight a local business. We believe as saints living in society, engaging with our society, it's good for us to get to know local business owners, to give them our business and to uh, support those in our community. So on this episode, we wanna highlight Escape the Room and Oregon Acts. Escape the Room uh, was an, is an escape room company that was started back in 2016. The owners, Tim and Jenny, started Escape the Room when their second son was born with a genetic disease. Uh, with the reality of a shortened life expectancy, they had a newfound appreciation for experiences that brought people together. So they started an escape room business uh, that does just that, brings people together. Two years later, in 2018, they added to their portfolio uh, Organ Axe, which is another place to bring people together. And both Escape the Room and Organ Axe uh, are great opportunities for you to go with a group of friends or family or even 
even coworkers to bond and, and, and come together and build relationships. And that's exactly the kind of experiences that Tim and Jenny want to provide. I've been to Escape the Room on multiple occasions and it is a blast. It's great to do with friends, maybe with coworkers to build team unity and that kind of thing. Uh, the staff has always been super helpful uh, and, and, and fun. The rooms are always a blast. Um, and so I would highly encourage you to go check it out. You can find a similar bonding experience at Oregon Axe through axe throwing. They have uh, an opportunity for you to throw axes at targets, to have a beverage and spend time with friends while getting to throw sharp objects at things, which is a blast and lots of fun. Both Escape the Room and Oregon Axe are located near downtown Springfield uh, in a really cool old building that used to be used for lumber yards and, and mill work back when that was a big thing in Springfield. So it's a historic location. One's upstairs, Escape the Room is upstairs, Oregon Axe is right below them downstairs. So we would highly encourage you to go check out Escape the Room or Oregon Axe or both. Uh, give Tim and Jenny your business and when you're in there, be sure and tell them that you heard about them on Saints and Society. Uh, you said something a little bit ago. I wanted to circle back to and have you say a little bit more about. And uh, you use the example of you confessing to your wife that, well, she can't handle it. She's had a tough morning with the kids. They're like, we make excuses for why we shouldn't confess. And I've mm -hmm. heard people, in fact, I've heard myself <laughs> say things like, You have well, a friend. I have, yeah. I have a friend. Hypothetically, <laughs> it's just for example, someone says, um, well, this group of people, um, can't know this about me or so maybe we're selective with who we confess to which maybe there's some wisdom to that you can speak to that but there's usually a lot of excuses we have as to why we're not going to uh confess be honest what do you what have in your experience what have some of those excuses been and then may, how would you respond to or what would you say to some of those excuses yeah one one of the worst excuses i heard before was when i was in seminary and a guy in our class said his dad, who's a pastor, told him that, <clears throat> that you shouldn't confess sin from the pulpit or in, in a sense, be vulnerable or transparent because you take authority away from the message that you are preaching. Isn't <laughs> the message you're preaching one of and I'm like, needing forgiveness for sin? <laughs> so what gives authority to the word of God then is not the word of God itself but yeah. your image. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hmm. Like, and so I'm like, and again, the word of God is filled with story after story. I mean, Paul calling himself the chief of sinners, Paul having this, in a sense, dialogue with himself about he's not doing the things he mm -hmm. wants to do. And he does the very things he doesn't want to do. I mean, story after story that are, as Brian Chapel says, yeah. Dr. Brian Chapel, the, the Bible seems to have a willingness to tar and feather everyone in there to show that there's actually only one true hero and it's Jesus Christ. Yeah. How come we feel the need to hide when our Bibles aren't doing that? They're so transparent mm -hmm. and, and it's the, it's the embarrassing factor of our Bibles that, that I think carries so much weight for people. It's like, if, if you wanted to try to like change up the Bible or do something, you'd get rid of all the embarrassing things. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, man, that's, you know, so I asked this guy in class, right? I said, Hey, uh, does your dad struggle connecting with people? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah. Hmm. Like people have a hard time connecting with them big time. I'm like, okay. So I, I hear excuses like that and then ask like, what is it like to experience this person relationally? Which that's a question we should be willing to ask people. Like, what is it like to experience yeah. me relationally? And, and he said, he has a hard time connecting with people. Hmm. 
it seems like the people that that want to put so many parameters up around confessing sin are typically the people that are the hardest to connect with. Mm. And so like, even if we're looking at James five, like you said, it says, you know, therefore confess your sins to each other. And it doesn't go, you know, the author James doesn't go through this list. All right. These are the parameters. This is the context. This is how you do it. Now, let me say this. I think there's wisdom to doing this. Mm-hmm. There's wisdom in exposing ourselves and, 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 and sharing what's going on in, in our lives. But I think sometimes we create a ton of parameters that even, I mean, I'll read Proverbs 28, 13. It also says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And so, you know, that this isn't like James had this. And I, I mean, this is consistent yeah. throughout scripture. And, and again, the people that I've noticed that have the most excuses about why they can or can't do it or what it should look like, I have found historically, they're the people that other people have a hard time connecting with. This is, this is why community is important. Like I should get like, if, if, if I'm like, you know, if Brad, you go, Hey Rick, I'm really transparent. I'm like, okay, but don't, don't I as a brother in Christ get, get, get to step in Mm -hmm. in your community and say, Hey man, I have a really hard time connecting with you. Mm -hmm. It seems like you keep your cards very close to your chest. Like I want to know you, but it doesn't seem like you, you, you have a willingness to share or be known. I think that's what community can come in to be honest. Cause if like, you're the one that's going around saying, Oh yeah, very honest, very transparent. Uh, wearing my heart on my sleeves. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> no one else experiences you like <laughs> right. that. Then okay. I think that's where a healthy community mm-hmm. comes in and says, but the same healthy community comes in and says, Hey, Hey bro. <clears throat> remember last night in small group, how we were kind of going around and talking and then you shared everything about what you did the night before mm-hmm. everything every detail remember that with all the men and women in the room i love you man <laughs> next time when we break off into prayer time with with the dudes yeah. with the dudes and the and the girls with the girls maybe consider saving that right. <laughs> for yeah. that moment you know yeah. so so i do think there's wisdom in it but again i think some people put a, try to put a ton of parameters mm-hmm. to protect themselves and also just don't even know if people are willing to be honest, don't even know what it looks like to give ourselves. Don't even know yeah. what it looks like to be known. Don't, don't even know what it looks like to enter relationships and just say stuff like, like, Brad, I'm hurting today, man. I feel lonely. I feel sad. Like, can you pray for me? Mm-hmm. You know? And so, yeah. And it takes a lot of courage. I think the hope for probably every church, every- Were you going to say courage? I was. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> um, the hope is that- a community is shaped by this kind of openness and confession, but it, it usually starts with one or two people being courageous and going there. Yes. Um, and then uh, hoping, praying that others follow. Um, because if you don't have a culture of confession and openness and honesty, man, it's hard to just start it everyone at once. Yep. So it takes a ton of courage to put yourself out there. Um, which does lead to another question. Um, that I had one, one reason someone would say maybe they don't confess or it's hard for them to confess is because in the past when they have confessed, uh, the response they got did not encourage further confession. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to the, to all of us who are going to be receiving confessions mm-hmm. from people? That's good. How would you, what is the, um, what is a gospel centered way to respond to the confession of brothers and sisters in a way that encourages further confession? Yeah. I think there's layers to even what you just asked Mm. because there's, I'm like an onion. Yeah. (laughs) Just smelly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Make your eyes water. Make you cry. (laughs) Uh, There's layers to what you asked because 
I, I also want to say that I've met with multiple people who have confessed sin or have been found out after 25 years of hiding sin and it hasn't ended well for them. Mm. And so I'm not saying that every time you confess sin, especially the longer that goes, the more hurt that's there through betrayal and, and all the lies that have been told, you know, because lies build upon lies upon mm. lies. So I just want to say that to the listeners is know that you're like, man, today I'm going to go share with my husband or my wife this. And based upon what, you know, they said in saints and society, like, this is what I'm going to be met with, you know? Right. That's true. Yeah. The, the hope is this though, that we would also grow in confessing, but also learning how to receive what someone's confessed or shared, meet them where they're at. And if they're grieving their sin, grieve with them. If they're sharing just insecurities and in what's going on in their life, like be empathetic listeners. Thanks for sharing. That took courage. I love you. Uh, I'm sorry you're going through that. But then what we can also do is as people are confessing, I, I talked about this uh, yesterday. Uh, do we have a stop method of discipleship or start method of discipleship? In, in other words, are we just telling people, hey, stop doing that. Stop sinning. Stop doing this. Stop doing this. Or are we telling and encouraging people, start living. Hey, remember who you are in Christ. You mm -hmm. are clothed with the garments of salvation. You are clothed in righteousness. Like you are as pure before God as God himself because Christ gave you the full measure of his purity. Mm -hmm. Live, start living consistent with that. Like start living into who you are in Christ. Start living in what it looks like to be secure, to be blameless, to be holy. And I'm not saying there's never time to say, stop doing that. Like, sure. like, like there's going to be times, but I don't think the full, I don't know, push in our discipleship should be stop. I think it's start living and start encouraging people to live consistent to who they have been made in Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that answer your question? And and yeah. I think as people confess and, and people share, remind them of those truths, remind mm -hmm. them of their gospel identities. It's also okay when sin is personal to know that sin breaks people's hearts. And so if you're a spouse and, and your spouse confesses sin to you, just know that it's okay to, and it's normal to be hurt and express the hurt mm -hmm. that's there. And I think as spouses, what we want to do is grow in what it looks like to remind our spouse of who they are in Christ, even in the midst of hurt. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's easy to do. I'm, I'm just saying, I think that's where we want to grow and the direction that we want to move in is to be able to hear, receive, express that it's really hard to hear these things. It hurts really bad, but then remind them of this. What's often going to happen is there's this back and forth gospeling that happens because if my wife says something where she has sinned against me and it really hurts me, then I can instantly go, well, am I not good enough? Does my spouse not think I'm good enough? And then the truth is, is in that moment that I also am having my fig leaf stripped off because I'm finding my identity and, and what my wife thinks of me, or mm -hmm. if I'm good enough, or if, you know, I'm handsome enough or smart enough, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And, and, and then, so I'm also in that moment needing to be reminded of who I am in Christ. So it's this back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. We need the gospel when we sin. We also need the gospel when we're sinned against. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, just from my experience, when I've had unconfessed sin, usually one of my first reasons for not confessing is because as a fear of rejection or a fear of like people leaving, um, that mm -hmm. if people know this about me, then I'm going to be alone. And then, so I think one of the ways that like 
we can receive confession is to just not go anywhere and just mm-hmm. like sit there, just be with them, you know? Yep. Um, and that's been that's good. Impactful, good. impactful to me in confession of sin that my greatest fear is that everyone's going to be like, well, didn't, can't believe that's like, you did that. We're out of here, mm-hmm. you know? But so you're saying just stay in the room. Yeah. Just like, like sit there. with them yeah. in, with their presence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like people have, people have made, you've done this to me before. You're like, look at me in the eyes. And I'm like, I can't look at you and, you know, like mm-hmm. look at me in the eyes and like, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, yeah. I think, uh, at least for me, that's been really helpful. So. Yeah. What I would say is we have the freedom to stop being weird yeah, and, and start living out of true freedom. I'm also, and, and I want to make this super clear. I'm going to share something here, but I'm not saying that I am recommending this movie and I've shared this from the pulpit before. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I think it's a helpful illustration. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what movie I'm going to bring up? There's a list that it okay. could be. So. Yeah, yeah. so come on, man. I don't quote that many movies. Uh, that's Ronnie. Uh, what I would say is this, is in the movie Eight Mile. Mm, okay. With, classic. With, with, with Slim Shady himself. With Slim Shady himself. <laughs> Again, not saying go and watch this. You're not hearing us say that. But at, at the end of the movie, something amazing happens. You, you, you have Eminem getting ready to do a freestyle rap against another guy who's been his enemy, right? And what he does is he offers to go first. And so he raps first. Well, what he raps about is everything that he is ashamed about and that he has, yeah, just insecurities about. And so he's like, that's right. My name is Eminem. I did grow up in a trailer park. My friend's name is Cheddar Bob who shot himself in the leg. Like he lays out everything that he's embarrassed about. And then he tosses the microphone to the enemy and says, go ahead and tell these people something they don't know about me. Hmm. And it's like, the guy was left powerless. Like he had nothing to say. He disarmed his enemy because he essentially like was like, hey, here's everything these people need to know. When when we confess sin, we disarm the enemy. Hmm. We, we we get to say the very thing that you're telling me that if I told these people that they would walk away from me, I, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. And then those people stay and the enemy's disarmed. And, and ultimately, our hope is not that people will stay because the truth is, and this is hard, that not, people won't always stay. Christ stays and he's, and and he remains. So it's like, Hey, I'm confessing this. Christ already knows it. He's staying. He's not going anywhere. I can be known and it's disarming the enemy, you know? And and so I do think it's a beautiful picture of us being able to do that and just live with some freedom. Yeah. I think, well, so much of what the enemy does is deceives us into thinking, uh, deceives us into concealing and hiding Mm -hmm. and keeping things in the dark when we don't like, we're no longer slaves to sin or slaves to God for slaves to Christ. And so we yeah. can, we can be free from that bondage, free from our slavery and come out into the open. And when we do that, he, what's he have left to accuse us of? Totally. Um, yeah. You know, the last kind of practical thing that I would say that goes hand in hand is live in community and embrace the feeling of being exposed because sometimes that feeling is us being stripped of what we've held on to for so long. And, that false blanket of security is being removed so we can be reminded of the greater covering mm-hmm. that we have in Christ's garments. But this happens in community. And I don't think you're going to grow unless you're putting yourselves in places in community where we're all pointing one another to what we have, where we're being exposed, we're being known, and we're reminding, hey, we all have the same garments here. We all have the same salvation. We all have the same covering. There is no tears in Christianity. Yeah. We're all clothed and covered in Christ. And I think that growth 
can only happen in the context of, of, of a true transparent community. Absolutely. And it's in the context of community, that's probably going to be one of the most tangible experiences we have of what God's grace is like to us. Yes, um, absolutely. When, when the concept of God's grace and forgiveness and love for us can be very theoretical in our head because God's not tech, like sitting here in front of me, mm -hmm. but our community is. And so when we, when we put ourselves out there in, in like these tangible felt relationships and get met with grace and love and forgiveness and a reminder of our identity in Christ. I don't know. We start to actually feel what's really true about us and community is what I think helps us with that. Yep. It's good. Awesome. Thanks Rick. That's all really good stuff. And uh, this isn't the last time we're going to address this topic. I know you have a lot of thoughts about this and so we can expect a couple more episodes um, that's covering this idea of not being, not having to be weird because of the covering that we have in Christ, the clothing of a righteousness that allows us to be ourselves and confess. Thanks everyone for listening to Saints in Society, a podcast that seeks to equip saints to live in and engage with their society. We'll see you next time. I, yeah, super relevant. It's easy for <laughs> dude. Stop being weird. <laughs> you don't have to be so weird. You're free in Christ. I've been um, weird since I've been a little kid, man. I'm just well, learning to embrace it. We all have. Um, 
Maybe that's what, instead of stop being weird, maybe it's <laughs> start, start. Yeah. Like just be yourself. Be oh, weird. Yeah. I yeah. think you just retitled my whole book, Your book. <laughs> and retitled the whole podcast. It's yeah. like, start being weird. Yeah. yeah. Start being weird. Uh, let's re-record starting now. <laughs> <laughs> um, What the enemy's wanting you to do is is, is essentially say, "Hey, t- tuck that down, man." Just, mm-hmm. just we're gonna want to edit that out, Hansa. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I'm gonna say it again. 